Hey guys, Jack here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have a lot of exciting stuff in the works, uh, particularly with our partners at Solve for Why. Uh, to get a small taste of what's to come, check out their most recent vlog, uh, which is linked to in the show notes. Uh, and the Just Hands Poker podcast is, in fact, brought to you by Solve for Why. Solve for Why is poker coaching unlike any other. Learn from high-stakes pros Matt Berkey, Christian Soto, Jordan Young, and now Zach and myself at the only poker training camp that teaches live poker strategy. The next camp is February 18th through 20th, and the following camp is March 19th through the 21st. Solve for Why turns conventional poker wisdom on its head by providing students with a unique poker philosophy, by utilizing real-time analytics, emphasizing psychology and personal interaction, and recording and reviewing students play using RFID technology. The SoftwareY Advanced Poker Training Academy delivers a framework to think and act differently. SoftwareY is poker evolved. To learn more, head to SoftwareYAcademy.com or use the link in the show notes. All right, guys, thank you so much and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Jack. Hey, Zach. What's going on? Not much enjoying my last Amon night for the next week or so. Yeah. It'll be good to have you back in the States, uh, even if you're down at the other end of this East Coast, uh, enjoying the fine Miami weather. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to ho- hopefully having time to hit the beach once or something. Why go to the beach when you can go to the aisle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, so I was thinking that we could mix it up a little bit this week, and instead of doing a listener hand, uh, pull a hand from our Slack channel. The membership, the Just Hands membership program, uh, comes with access to the Just Hands Slack group, and there's a pretty steady stream of hands getting discussed in there. And I thought this was an interesting one to bring on the show. Sounds like a good plan. Let's hear it. Yeah, I think this hand, without getting, without spoiling anything, I think this brings up like a pretty common sort of two-five philosophical question. Anyway, so we're playing, this hand comes from the Jack Casino in Cincinnati, playing 2-5. Hero and villain are 800 effective, hero covers. Villain opens under the gun 1 to $20. Uh, Hero is in the low jack with 4-5 of clubs. What are you doing here? So as a default, I'm folding, but if I'm going to play this pot, it's going to be for a three bet and the type of characteristics that would make me want a three bet at this kind of shorter, relatively shorter stack depth for three betting four or five suited, like would be someone that is opening a little bit too wide and not defending enough to three bets out of position or someone that I just thought I had a very big skill advantage against and wanted to, to isolate, but usually with that type of player, I'd, I just want to pick a, kind of a better hand to do it with. So this would be someone that I felt like I had a fairly large post-flop skill advantage against, and I thought was likely under defending to three bets or such that my image would, you know, get a fold a decent amount of time in the spot. But I, I'm almost never calling here. We just put ourselves in a really, really bad spot, and I think to profitably call here, we just have to be a lot deeper and make some really big assumptions about our skill to the rest of the table. Yeah. To me, this hand is like on the border of a sort of normal imposition three betting strategy. A hand that I'm very often three betting is seven, eight suited. Uh, a hand that I'm 
fairly often preventing is six seven suited. Those are like something is odd if I'm not preventing those in position. Six five is a little bit more opponent dependent, and four five is very opponent dependent. Three four I think is basically always a fold. So yeah, four five like not quite the borderline hand for me. It's like maybe even one past it, but there will be times where I'm three pinning this. But I agree with what you're saying. Like it needs to be against an opponent I think who folds too much right away. Yeah. So in this situation, Hero does three bet. He three bets to eighty, which strikes me as large given the assumptions that I'm already making about my opponent by choosing to three bet this hand. Like I think if I can be three betting a range with that includes four five suited properly, I'm probably gonna just gonna be three xing it in position. And so I would probably get sixty pretty often here. Yeah, sixty sixty five, I think. Yeah, like, like you said, the reasons that make us want to like three bet this hand are reasons that want to make us not use that large of a sizing in position. Right. Normally, if I'm using a sizing that large, it'll be I have a more merged range that still might include hands like seven eight suited because those just play really well as a three bet, but it'll be a slightly more merged range that wouldn't include four five suited and would be taking advantage of my opponent probably calling too much and then folding too much post flop. Yeah. If I'm including four or five, I would be expecting to get more full to be flop and could get away with smaller sizing. So yeah, want, I'd like to add one oh, cave, one caveat, just that. So seven eight suited is a hand that we're almost always going to play and almost always going to play as a three bet. In the I'm not I don't know as much about low jack, but definitely in you know the 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 high jack and the cutoff for sure. But if our three betting range is always like ace five suited, ace four suited, seven eight suited, six seven suited. Well, then we don't have great board coverage. So you do want to be three betting a lot of hands a small percentage of the time to have board coverage and to make yourself tricky to play against, against thinking opponents that you play with on a very regular basis and people that observe this. So that should apply to very, very few situations that the vast majority of people listening to this are playing when they're at you know their normal casino playing a 2-5 game. But just a little caveat to give our uh, Slack member some Slack. Yeah, kind of some Slack here. As most of you are probably predicting, this hand did not end pre-flop. Under the gun one does call, and so we're heads up to a flop with about 160 after the rake. And we have four or five of clubs, and the flop comes queen, deuce, three, rainbow which I would say is a very favorable flop for our hand. Quite. All right. So our villain checks, and I think Hero has a pretty clear C-bet at this point. Would you agree? Yeah. I think this is a, a board that definitely like favors our range, not much changed, and we're going to have more queen X. We're going to have some overpairs. We're going to have hands like jacks that I think maybe even jacks or tens that we'd want to bet for value. And I think the villain here, the continuing range is going to look like sets and middle pairs a lot of the time. So I think we want to start off by betting just like a half pot bet size, which will, uh, I think put a good amount of pressure on hands that missed as well as maybe some of the kind of the worst middle pairs, like 
you know, pocket fours, pocket fives, which were blocking, pocket sixes, pocket sevens, and then also just set up a, a nice, you know, two and potentially three barrel spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this flap is so favorable for us, queen, deuce, three, rainbow, when we hold four or five, that we probably want to get called on the flop by a lot of hands. I, don't, I definitely think we're, we're not necessarily approaching this flop saying like, all right, let's make sure Jack's fold right now. You know, a hand that I think we would be fairly happy to see fold would be ace-king, since, you know, that's ahead of us. Well, actually, that we do have some gin. We have a gin card against ace-king, so I, yeah. any ace high that calls <laughs> is actually pretty favorable. So, yeah, I would say, actually, you know, I'm going to revise that. Basically, anything our opponent has that he would realistically fold to a bet here, I think we would rather have him call. And so I'm definitely going to be sizing half bottom over here, as I think, alluded to. I think, yeah, I, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, ace-king, ace comes gin card. But I, I wasn't thinking about potentially the other ace highs. And maybe this is actually a good spot to size a little bit more down and almost ensure a call from hands like pocket sixes or ace-jack off, in, in which we can be very confident that on most turn cards to even a half-pot bet, they would likely fold. So I'm actually going to revise and say let's go down a little bit more just so we can kind of – I don't want to say value target, but we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but like kind of value bluff target where we want calls from hands because we just think we have such a high chance exploitably of getting them to, to fold on a later street. Yeah, and there's – the other thing is there's really no card we aren't going to be able to barrel. That's another huge thing like – a queen, I really think we can barrel a queen, and basically everything else is obviously we can barrel. I, um, I, I think the one, if we're going to size down with the intention of getting called by some ace highs, I would like to check back. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, we hit a straight then, so never mind. We want to get stacks in against our pairs of aces. My bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if I, you know, if we had a hand like 5-6, let's say, and we were still very confident in like that we could get ace highs to fold on the turn and that you know they're not gonna make an ace that often. I would say betting something like so our hero does bet sixty-five, which I think is a great sizing. And I think you could bet that with six five, uh, bet sixty five and six five, and it would be a solid play. But then I agree, I would probably check back on an ace just because I think if we're going to be trying to induce calls from ace high, then we can't necessarily just like go ham when the ace comes with four or five. It's a different story. Uh, it is. Clearly. Yeah. And, and then just to, to add one more thing to that is like, if this opponent holds even a hand as strong as like pocket nines or pocket tens, if we bet a queen high flop, check back an ace and then bet half pot and even like a blank on the river, that's going to just, that's going to look pretty strong in a three bet pot against a hand like pocket nines. And I think we'll have a very difficult time calling. So, the, the reason I suggested it while I was forgetting about the straight was just that I think our ability to, to bluff on the river is just very, very good. So we don't have to really worry unless, you know, they hit one of their gin cards and they get a set. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Okay, so our turn brings the Ten of Diamonds, which brings a backdoor flush drop. Villain checks. So yeah, I think, like you said, this is a very good kind of philosophical question about 2-5, which is 
do we want to set up a, a three barrel or do we want to bet huge here and then give up on the river? I, I'm guessing that's what you were alluding to at the beginning of this this uh, hand. So on the flop, we were trying to get called by hands like ace-10, ace-jack, ace-king. And some of those have turned some equity. And, you know, I think there's there's a sizing here where we can be pretty sure those hands are folding. And there's a sizing here where we're less sure those hands are folding. And let me talk, let's talk about, like, what's the value of, like, being able to eliminate hands like ace-king here? I think we have a lot more barrel ability on the river when we see a jack, a king, or an ace if we bet large now. Well, first of all, tell me, do you think that our opponent is likely to fold most hands like sixes, sevens, eights, nines now or on the river? I think against like a descriptionless, you know, two five player. I think it's much more likely they they fold now, but it really depends kind of like if it, if it's me or you on a certain night, then it then it then it's tough. But I but I think most likely we should expect hands like that to fold when we bet something like two thirds pot and in two five in a lot of two five games I'm I'm exploitatively you know just double barreling and rarely triple barreling because psychologically once people put that big bet in on the turn they really just want to find a reason to call the river so i i think that this is this is kind of a spot where i'd want to bet between like two-thirds pot and pot and then likely give up on on most rivers yeah that seems reasonable to me i mean in theory this is a a hand that should go down to the wire is like a triple barrel at a really high frequency just because it has pretty much no showdown value. But, you know, like part of beating the game is knowing when like your triple barrel is just not getting through. So can you think of a bet size where we could get a hand like ace-king to fold, but get a hand like nines to call with, probably, a, with prob- any degree of confidence? Yeah, probably a little under half pot. Yeah, I mean, I think if we can be really confident about that range, like where we're going to have a lot of barrel ability on hand, cards like Ace, King, or Jack, and we know that we're going to have a lot of hands that are going to call and then fold the river, then we can be thinking triple barrel. But my concern is that we might not be able to get the Ace, Kings, and the Ace, Jacks to fold, but keep those other hands in. So we might end up folding everything here or folding nothing. And if we get nothing left to fold, we're not going to have a ton of river cards that are like super awesome to barrel. Like obviously like low cards are decent, but you know, if someone got seven with nines on the turn and if the board doesn't change, they might get seven on the river. And if we keep in those ace high hands, then obviously we have a hard time finding a lot of our, a lot of the really good cards to get nines to fold are not going to be good cards to get ace king to fold. So I think something fairly comfortable to do would be to bet large on the turn and expect almost all of these hands to fold and basically expect that we're up against the queen on the river and probably not try and get that hand to fold unless we get a very favorable river card. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my plan. The, you know, 80 plus, 85% plus 
uh, at an average 2.5 game. Yeah, so Hero chooses to bet $115 here. And with that bet, you're definitely setting up a triple barrel because you're sort of begging like those types of hands to call. And then it just becomes a question of like, what are the cards we're going to go through with that triple barrel? Like, do you expect Ace King to fold to 115 here? No. Once yeah, I mean, I mean, Ace King is you know never folding pre. Probably should be four betting, but it's two five. Then on this flop, you know, Ace King is is not not going to fold. And then here, it's I think even if the average opponent thinks they are probably beat here, they're getting they're getting a good price, you know. Yeah, they're getting a good price. Uh, they had Ace King, so they were already attached. Like, yeah. and I think that even with like a hand like Ace Jack. Uh, People don't necessarily think that much about how am I going to win this pot. They more think about like how good is my hand. Yeah, good good point about the psychology there. So like you might say, well, if somebody's ace jack, then they probably should. He would be raising or folding, maybe not, because you know you beat a lot of suited connectors. So I would argue that you probably can call with that hand, but you know. Anyway, the point is, I think that it's not impossible to get called by ace jack. I think it's not unlikely to get called by ace-king. And ace-ten, I would guess, would call. And If those hands get there, I, I would not expect ace-ten to get here. This yeah, way. if they get here. Yeah. They might not to the 65, so you know, we should be discounting those no, I'm, in I the first more, place. I mean more preflop. I think it's very... Oh, ace-ten suited? You think ace-ten suited is one of the three-bet? Uh, I would hope Maybe. so if we're, if we're three-betting four or five suited to 80. <laughs> but and yeah, maybe I'm just playing two lucid games lately. Uh, yeah, you're playing you're playing in these New York these New York private games versus you know your average yeah, these casino game in the Midwest. Very different. These aren't wholesome two five <laughs> games where people have that kind of respect for a three bet. Yep. With four or five suited. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so we've I think we've circled this enough. Hero bets 115, and when you bet 115, setting yourself up triple barrel, I think that can be a little hazardous, as I've tried to explain. But I, I think it's solid. Sure. Uh, all right. So we get an interesting river card. We get the four of diamonds, which brings in the back of our flush draw, and we get check two. So just to recap the pot size, there's 520 in the pot, and we have about 540 in the stack, so roughly pot size bet. If I if my math is a little off, my apologies. So so here we have some showdown value, which is not insignificant. I think if if I was double barreling with the intention of triple barreling most river cards, and then felt in some capacity that my opponent looked strong after the turn bet or looked confident on this river card, I would be checking this back. I think the backdoor flush coming in, it's really hard to say how that affects things. I'm not sure it affects things too much. There's some opponents that will then, when you shove, say, oh, he doesn't have a flush, and I would never shove without a flush, so I'm probably good. And there's some people that would just like see a flush and see like another way that they can lose. I think the latter is probably a little bit more common but not substantially enough to really alter things. So I think 
we probably still have a profitable triple barrel here, but I, given our turn sizing, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm probably triple barreling, but it's, it's definitely close. What are your thoughts, Jack? Yeah, it's a weird turn card for like a lot of reasons. Um, it becomes very opponent dependent, like how you're going to play this turn card, because it's just going to mean really different things to a lot of people. Like I think to a good player who recognizes Hero as a good player, this is a pretty freaking scary card. Yeah. Five, six got there. Ace five got there. And backdoor flush any backdoor or flush truck out there. So it's like now all of a sudden your range is super strong. And I think you even have a case to like bet smaller and I think get some folds. Like you might not want to tempt fate and down bet because your range is so strong and maybe just like when you actually have the four or five and you're just go ahead and jam. Uh, but I think like this is a card where against a very good player, I might be able to get them to fold a hand like uh, King Queen. Maybe not Ace Queen. Like, I think it's pretty ambitious to ever get Ace Queen to fold here, but like Jacks, Nines that called and King Queen and Queen Jack suited. Those are hands I think that might fold here from like a very good player. Just because this is such a nut card for us. Against though a worse player, I think this is like looks like such a blank, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of awesome when we have the ace five. <laughs> but it's not awesome when we have the four or five we get snapped by jacks, you know? Yeah. So a lot of times like the other thing about this, the way we, our betting pattern that makes this card tricky, which we've alluded to, is that I think there's a chance you've kept in hands like Ace-King and Ace-Jack here. And now you're beating those. And so I think if you decide to give up, like you are going to get some of this pot back. And so our bluff has to be successful, like... Like our, so to put this in perspective, like the EV of checking back is positive. You know, at worst, it's zero. At worst, we are literally always beat. Our opponent has no hand in this range that we are ahead of. And every time we check back, we lose. And in that case, the EV of checking would be zero. But probably since I think ace king and ace jack are possible, the, and, you know, plus like who the, who the fuck knows, like what this guy has. Like it, there's, you know, it's not unreasonable to think that there are other hands that we're beating here other than Ace-King and Ace-Jack. But I think those are the most likely by far. Anyway, if we do just check back, I think we win enough of the time where our check back is like fairly high EV. Like maybe we get, the pot is 520 now, maybe we get 75 or $85 back on average. So now when you're bluffing, like if we make a pot size bet here, which is roughly like what it would be. We need that bet through to get through about 50% of the time in order to break even on that bet. You know, so that gives you a sense of if we're going to get $100 back on average just by checking, then that kind of gives you a sense of like the threshold we need to reach to be triple barreling here. And I think most people don't think about a triple bear like that. They don't think about you know, you don't think about like the margins like that. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's the good news when we pick up showdown value on the river, is that the EV of checking back is almost certainly positive based on our analysis that some ace highs uh, would stay in uh, based on the size of the turn bet. So the, the question here is, and, and I guess this is a good time to kind of do a, a little breakdown of, you know, how many middle pairs, how many ace highs, how many queen x does the villain have here? Just off the top of my head, so let's think of combos, combos of pocket fours through pocket jacks. There's only going to be you know one combo of fours and fives, and then we got uh, well, fours also isn't folding. Uh, oh, my bad. My bad. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. One, one. Let's, let's forget about fours. Let's start with sixes because I think fives and fours are somewhat likely to fold pretty flat. Sure. So let's imagine. Let's look at a really optimistic scenario here and say that, or at least for the triple barrel, and that villain has sixes through, I think we should say sixes through queens. We can ignore ace-king and ace-jack. Let's say he has ace-ten and he would fold. And let's say he doesn't ever fold a king-queen, ace-queen, or queen-jack suited. So... Let's look at the scenario where he folds every. He has a lot of things that aren't a queen, but never folds a queen or a set, obviously, or the nut flush. So, ace king suited, ace jack suited. So hands we lose two. One combo each of ace king of diamonds, ace jack of diamonds. Two combos of queens, two combos of tens. Sorry. Uh, three each of those, actually. So that's eight we're losing to. Ace-queen is 12. King-queen is 12. And queen-jack suited is three. So that's like 25, 33, I think, combos that we are going to lose to based on this you know, simulation, this or these set of assumptions. Hands that are folding, sixes, sevens, eights, nines, Jacks, that is 30 combos, and then ace-10 suited, so that's 30 combos, so 33. So if that scratch math might be a little off, but what we amounted to is that there are exactly 33 combos that we'll call, 33 combos that will fold, and then there's obviously some combos that would fold, but that we already beat. So yeah, you're making a good case to check back here. Yeah, but if... So I think it's a here's why I think it's good to get checked back. Do I think sixes and sevens are likely? No. Uh, do I think ace king of diamonds is super likely? No. Like I think that hand raises the turn at some frequency. Do I think queens are super likely? No. I think that hand four bets at some frequency. But I do think like they're possible. I think tens are possible. I think aces and kings are possible. Like yeah, I think queen jack suit is possible. I think king queen and ace queen are both very likely. So. The point is, I think for this to be a profitable triple barrel, we need to be relatively sure that we can get some queen X to pull. That's kind of where I'm landing in this uh, analysis. Is like this decision, even though we down bet and kept our opponents range wide, because we have this showdown value, the situation now really hinges on whether we think queens are likely to fold. And so I'll leave it up to our hero to make that decision 
I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm going to say don't try to get someone to fold top pair when it stays top pair at 2-5. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, spoiler, our hero does jam. And we don't know what our, we don't know what villain had, but I'll tell you what uh, hero wrote about the spot. He says, I, I think I put weak queens and one pair of hands in a very tough spot. I'm basically saying I have ace-5, 6-7 of diamonds, thin value ace-queen, of which I have all combos, and with my image at the table, I'm often able to get three streets with uh, aces, kings, queens, ace-king of diamonds, king-jack of diamonds, etc., etc. So I guess ace-jack of diamonds, too. The queen is a diamond, so not king-queen of diamonds, obviously. So yeah, like, you are repping something, and I think you could also include 5-6 here. The thing is, like, I think you might be overemphasizing, like, for a lot, against a lot of opponents, uh, you might be overemphasizing, like, them thinking of you have ace-5 or 6-7 or 5-6. They might not be thinking about that, really. Almost certainly not. Yeah. They're probably thinking, like, well, ace-king didn't get there. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, this is, like, I think... Honestly, this is probably a spot where I would jam, and I think when I think about it more, I don't know if I would, I would choose the that turn sizing, but if I did, I would be thinking jam, and I would think that this four of diamonds was a better card to represent than it was that in terms of getting showdown value. But talking through it, I do think that the four is significant. It makes the value of checking back positive, and mainly like we got two calls and we didn't get there, you know. So a lot of the profitability of this overall triple, bail, triple barreling operation has already passed. Like the triple, the third barrel of the triple barrel is the last resort barrel. Like we really wanted probably the double barrel to get through or to just get there. So that's important to think about, especially when something changes, like getting a pair on the river. Yeah. Well, well said, not much to add. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, this was a really important spot. Especially important if like you're in a game where you're able to profitably three bet four or five suited. And yeah, thank you for being a member. Thank you for writing this hand on Slack. Uh, thank you for letting us share it on the podcast. And hopefully, we'll see some more of you guys doing the doing the membership uh, in the Slack group, posting hands. Look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>